welcome to episode 884 of the sleeper and the bust it is thursday no tuesday no it's thursday oh it's thursday I, you know i completely forgot i really did keep it in we're doing it january 21st <laughs> i'm your host paul spore <laughs> and i'm joined by justin mason justin good morning sir Good morning to you. Uh, I thought I'd be the one a little absent-minded considering it is currently 41 degrees in my office. Dude, I, I, I really had no idea. I really was like, I don't know which day it is. Completely forgot. You were um, overwhelmed I, by the amount of moves that have happened. Correct. And and the rumor that you just informed me of that I didn't even know about, that perhaps the, the Braves may get in on... JT Real Muto. So I completely forgot the day, like a giant idiot. Uh, but yeah, we have some moves to talk about, including like an interesting little saga with one of the players. And then we'll get into some starting pitchers. I don't know how many yet, because we do have a hard stop, so we'll have to determine it based on uh, how the transactions go. But let's just dive right in then and talk about George Springer. He lands, and he lands with Toronto which was heavily rumored. It seemed down to Toronto and New York. He wanted to be uh, nearish Connecticut, his hometown, his home state, rather. And uh, so those two teams made sense, two teams that are contending. The, the Jays land him. And then what it looked like was they landed Michael Brantley right after that. That is not <laughs> just Springer. We'll get to Brantley in a moment. But that was really interesting how it looked like they'd gotten both. But getting just even just Springer is a big move for them. He moves to the top of their lineup. Now, there was some concern like, oh, you know, what's this do for Kevin Biggio? I think he's still bat second. Um, I, I think everyone just kind of moves down a slot. I don't know that it's necessarily going to destroy his, uh, his, his fantasy appeal there. Um, now, with Brantley, if, he, if Brantley had moved in, maybe a little different. But with just Springer... I think Springer goes to the top there, and uh, everyone moves down one. But what do you think about Springer in Toronto? He goes from Houston to Toronto, uh, west to east. Uh, your thoughts, good sir? I mean, I think it's a great spot for him. He is going to be batting at top of uh, what might be the best lineup in the American League. Certainly okay. could be. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously some variance here in Toronto concerning how young uh, certain members of this uh, team is, but... If you're on the Kevin Biggio train or the Bo Bichette train or the Vladimir Guerrero train, and there's lots of people on those bandwagons, uh, especially this year, you've got to be pretty excited for George Springer hitting at the top of that lineup. I think you can easily pencil in 30 home runs, 5 to 7 stolen bases, uh, and probably 100 runs scored in this offense, so... Uh, I mean, I really like it for him. I mean, it's not like going to the Mets would have been a bad situation, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. The park maybe is a little bit better for the power, uh, but uh, Springer, I think, has real manpower, so I wouldn't have been super worried about him being in New York either. But, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's a great landing spot. Uh, and, I, you know, you know me. I drink George Springer's bathwater. Like, I am, you do I, indeed. <laughs> I should have put so, that shirt on yesterday is what I should have done. Great shirt. You will continue to uh, a sip on it then is what we're saying. You know, maybe you would wish he had gone to the Mets, though, because then the shirt would have continued oh, to work. It would have been because, orange, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, orange orange and blue was the shirt, and it didn't have Astros markings on it. So you could have you kept it uh, topical. That's all right, though. It becomes a vintage shirt now, and it's still elite. I love it. Uh, Springer's price will go up. 
Let me check where it was here real quick. Um, we've talked about this before. Everyone, when they sign, gets a little boost. So even if it's just, you know, a couple picks, it's going to happen. Springer was the 14th outfielder off the board since the new year at pick 55 overall behind Ozuna and Marte and ahead of teammate Biggio and Randy Rosarena. I could see him leapfrogging Marte, uh, who's at pick 53. I don't know if he's going to get to Ozuna, who's at 46, but he could. I, I really believe that he could get up there. That's about where he's going to be. Springer's going to be 12-13 area. Um, I think he's going to move up just a little bit here once drafts start to know that uh, that he's on Toronto. What do you think? I mean, I'm probably not going to take him in that spot just because he doesn't have the speed component. Give uh, back the bathwater. <laughs> you do not get to have it anymore. Though. I really like all those guys. I mean, I really like Ozuna. Good uh, he, group. He will obviously get a bump, too, once he signs. I, I The more and more I do drafts, the, the more I'm finding out I am in on the Randy Rosarena train uh, yep. because I keep ending up with him. It, it's weird you know, when you do a lot of drafts and all of a sudden you look at your teams and you go, huh, well, I guess I'm a really big fan of this player. Yeah, and... it, it, it puts to the test a lot of things that you say. Oh, mm-hmm. I would not take that guy here. Then you get a draft like, I don't know who the freak to take. And I'm I'm looking at this guy real nicely now. I've had that with a few different guys. We're, we're in a draft right now. We'll cover it once we get deeper into it. But I've certainly had that a, a bit of that. And you know somebody that I definitely have like maybe said, oh, I don't know if I'm going to take him here. I'm nervous about him. And keep ending up with him is Mondesi. I keep getting Mondesi in the second round. So it's like, you know. Maybe I do love him as, as much as he embarrassed me in 2020 by, uh, you know, saying, oh, you know, look at how bad he's been. And then he had the two weeks from from heaven. But, yeah, you really have to put things to the test. Yeah, mine is um, uh, Julio Urias. I have got uh, I him, him, I think, of my eight or nine drafts I've done, I think I've got him in over half of my leagues. Oh, uh, wow. You got him in this one, too. And yeah. I, I was kind of bummed on that pick. I was definitely targeting him. Um, and yeah, you, you have to put things to the test because it's a, it's really easy to be hypothetical and you know say you'll get this guy here, you know this guy would be my my third outfielder. No, he wouldn't. He's the second outfielder. You're not getting him there. You know this would be my fourth SP, dude. He's an SP too. Chill. You know so you got to get in there, battle test things. We're doing that right now. I think Springer goes up. Uh, I agree with you that Ozuna goes up too. By the way, between Merrifield and Ozuna. There's about a 10-pick gap, so I could see Ozuna moving closer to Merrifield once he signs at, at pick 37, and then uh, Springer filling that in. So we're just going to see a few things move up there with those outfielders um, as, as the two both get situated, first Springer in Toronto and then Ozuna whenever he signs. So uh, th- that was a good move by Toronto, and like I said, it looked like it was one <laughs> of two, and th- they came quick. like It was like bang, bang both these moves here. Everyone's like, oh, you know, making jokes about how during the inauguration, to, you know, Toronto making two moves mm-hmm. is, a, is an act of, uh, yeah, that was my tweet. of foreign aggression. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good. Like, hey, we're looking, we're watching something here. Can you guys relax for a second? Um, and it turns out that was not true. And these rumors were, you know, well-founded and, and substantiated. It wasn't just like random Twitter egg. I know they don't do Twitter eggs anymore. Well, and but, you this, know, the Springer one was kind of a random Twitter egg. That well, that's the interesting thing. Yeah, that one ended up coming from from a from a um, you know out of nowhere source and then got substantiated. But everything with Brantley, like, 
was was well founded and it looked like it was legit and then it's like hold the phone this is not over and i wonder if it was something like it looks like he's going to accept toronto's deal you know because uh houston didn't call back and like hey we're, we're working on something we're going to call you guys back so they made their call back they got it situated and they end up getting uh michael brantley he's going back to houston here and they're saying not so fast my friend We've got things to do. We still need to be a contending team because their outfield, they lost their entire outfield except for Tucker. Um, but that, that still meant three guys, Brantley, Springer, and Reddick. Now, Reddick, obviously not a huge loss, but you know they go from where the heck's Tucker going to play to, can he play all three positions by himself? And so uh, Brantley resigns, two-year deal, 32 mil. Oh, terms we're not really that concerned with. I didn't even mention the uh, the terms for Springer. But I like him going back to Houston. I would have loved him in Toronto. This is one of those things, same with Springer. Either team they're on, you're going to feel pretty good about it. Brantley, the only real issue with him um, in his career, I guess, has been health and, and you know kind of staying on the field. And now he's a little bit older, so that kind of comes into it. But as far as performance, you can't really – feel bad about uh, anything that he's been doing. He's been he's been awesome. And as far as that health goes, he's got three years going with some pretty healthy uh, seasons, 143, 148, and then 46 out of 60. There's a little missed time in each of that, but nothing that's like devastating. And his performance in all three seasons has been excellent. Are you still drafting a 34-year-old Michael Brantley? I am because he's uh, produced, you know, 300 averages, uh, in each of the last four years, and or sorry, each of the last three years, 2017, 299, uh, you know, in, in 2018 and 2019, he put up 600 uh, plus plate appearances in spite of only mm-hmm. playing in 143 and 148 games. Uh, I mean, he he's going to miss time, and so you're definitely going to want to make sure you have coverage for him when he does miss time. But when he's on the field, he's fantastic. You know, you're looking at a so guy, good. yeah, who's you know, probably 20 home runs, some chip-in stolen bases, and a 300 average. And when you're talking about a pick after 150, now he's probably going to start going above 150, uh, yeah. but a pick after 150 or around 150, like there's not many guys who are going to play as, or get as many plate appearances as him that I can hit 300 and aren't empty somewhere else. So uh, right now, Ross Resource has him plugged in to hit third. Uh, and I, I love that for him in that Houston yeah. lineup. That's because uh, they're still like they're being a little bit slept on, right? That they're they're a hated team, and I understand why. I'm not suggesting that uh, people have to forgive or forget there. And I believe but they just signed uh, Jason Castro today. Castro, who we're going to get into in a moment too, is yeah, exactly as well. Um, and and also that you know they lost Verlander, and like I said, their outfield was decimated, and so they're like. I, I feel like there's this idea that Houston is rebuilding and they're crap. It's like, no, they're not. They're like, yeah, they, they they still need another outfielder. Like, I think Jackie Bradley Jr. would fit really well there. Um, and then make Miles Straw a fourth in outfielder uh, utility type. But um, that lineup, I know they underperformed some of the guys last year. But it's still Altuve, Bregman, Brantley Correa, Jordan Alvarez, Newly Gurriel, Kyle Tucker, and then Straw currently penciled in center field, and then Jason Castro. Uh, that That is a good lineup. That is a really good lineup. And Brantley batting third there, like you said, is fantastic. His ADP is currently 158 since the new year. Again, it will move up a little bit. I don't know that it will skyrocket, though, because the ageism is is there. 
and people don't want to take a 34-year-old who does have health concerns. So I think he might move up a little, but there's some very uh, very big fan favorites in there with Hap, uh, Anthony Santander, Dalton Varsho, who's obviously catcher as well, and Dylan Carlson, the four that are ahead of him. And I think I think the the desire to kind of get those young up and coming players will keep Brantley at bay, and so he might only move up a little bit, and maybe not even consistently go ahead of any of those guys. And I'll take him at 158 all day because you can't get a lot of late batting average that isn't um, often empty, and this is an empty batting average. Yeah, I completely agree. All right. Well, then let's talk about Jason Castro because he went along too. He goes back to Houston. He's been kind of make, making his tour around the majors, and it leads him back to uh, to where it started. Is he was he with Houston originally? Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. They uh, they drafted him in the first round uh, back in 2008. He put up some good seasons with them. You know, he was never elite. Uh, he had a great season in 2013. I guess that was kind of elite. Uh, 130 OPS plus, and he was an All Star. Otherwise, he was, like, solid, if unspectacular. And that's been kind of the, the mantra over his career. He's been just a little bit below average as a hitter, quality defender, can give you some pop, really crushes righties, uh, but fills fills their catcher role as Martin Maldonado um, is really more defense only. They're going to make a nice platoon there. The defense is going to be on a lock with the, with the Castro-Maldonado, and then Castro's going to be expected to deliver some pop there. Not a bad late catcher. I'm, I'm kind of fine to get him um, as my C2 or maybe even as my C1 if I just completely wait on catcher. Uh, so I, I'd be fine with that with Jason Castro. What do you think of the 34-year-old backstop? Yeah, I mean, I think he's, uh, you know, pretty darn good, you know, framer and defensive catcher. You know, probably not going to hit uh, for very much batting average. So, but, I mean, considering... Uh, he's going at a pick. Can't even find him. Five fifty-nine. Well, wait. What what time frame are you using? Because since, since the January first in draft champions leagues. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because if you do all leagues, I forgot to do just draft champions. He's at six twenty-six. Yeah. So, so you know, I'll backpedal on saying that I would take him as a C one if I punted catcher. He's, he's like still C3. a C two. Even like yeah, I mean, C two C three. Even if you punt catcher, so mm-hmm. and he's gonna move up, but not to a price that's gonna be. A lot at all. What, and you said he's five hundred something in five fifty nine, five sixty. Um, yeah, he might move up to like five hundred. And Max. I mean, let's you know he obviously had a really sh- uh, short sample in uh, twenty twenty because he was uh, he was playing behind guys at times. Uh, so, but if you look at his Statcast stuff from twenty twenty and twenty nineteen. He had a massive jump in exit velocity and barrel percentage. And so, like, I think there is maybe some upside that uh, we're not noticing. I mean, his his Mm -hmm. exit velocity in 2019 was uh, 91.8 miles per hour. um, And in 2020 was 92.7. His barrel percentage in 2019, 17% and 15% in 2020. Those are massive Especially, yeah, for especially for a catcher. So, probably, you know, obviously, not going to play every day. So, you know, the volume may not be there, but uh, I think there is some untapped power potential here, uh, and he could easily get to like fifteen to twenty home runs. You know, with like a two forty batting average. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And um, like I said, definitely a C2 that I'm interested in. Jason Castro re-signing back in Houston, and it's a solid move for them. And like I said, they'll probably look at maybe getting a center fielder, maybe a little bit of pitching. Uh, they're not going to have Verlander. It's going to be Granky McCullers kind of leading the charge there with uh, with some young bucks. But uh, that's a good team still. Don't don't sleep on Houston. Let's talk about Jose Quintana moving to the Angels. And I really like this move for them. They need pitching. We know that. We talk about it somewhat regularly. Um, you know, even non non uh, Angels fans are, are rooting for them to make moves just to get Trout in the playoffs. We want to see Trout in October. So I, that I, I count myself among those who is like an Angels supporter just because I'm like, make the right moves, please, please, please. <laughs> and I think this is a, a, a right move. They need pitching depth. Um, this is a guy who could go out, get you a buck 80 on the innings count. I think even off the two-month season, you can still rely on him as somebody to eat up a bunch of innings. You know, he hasn't been his his quality self that we saw with the White Sox and then early with the Cubs. But I still think there's a little bit of upside here uh, for him to kind of, you know, refine himself a little bit, maybe get back below four with the ERA. Um, and Because if you look, the underlying skills have been there. Um, you know, hits were a bit high in 2019. He only threw 10 innings this year. Um, and so it's hard to put too much into wh what happened there. You know, uh, three, one start, three relief appearances in 10 innings. So what? I don't know. But a 468 ERA, 139 whip back in 19, but a 380 FIP. And FIP's not perfect. It's not even great. I'm going to look up, see what his Sierra was. But I think Jose Quintana can still be a high threes, low fours guy, which has, you know, deeper league value. And in the real life realm for the Angels, I think is a solid pickup. I, I, I like this move for them. What do you think of of Jose Quintana going out there? I mean, it's a solid move for the Angels. Um, he's got a four fifty Sierra, by the way, which is fine. I mean, that that mm -hmm. for, again for them, for for, yeah. for for the Angels in real life, a guy who can go out there and give you six and three virtually every time out, that's going to work. Yeah, and I mean, he's left-handed, so he. You know, maybe he neutralizes some of that kind of short porch uh, in Anaheim. I'm I'm a bit concerned about uh, you know some of what we saw. Obviously, we're throwing out 2020 because it was 10 innings. He you know missed most of the season because of like a finger laceration. Was that right? Like, I think that's right. I'll look that up as you uh, um, express your concerns. So, so we look at mostly 2019, and in 2019. Uh, his zone contact percentage was 91%. Uh, and his, the exit vo velocity allowed was 90 miles an hour. Like, he's, he's, he's giving up a lot of contact in the zone, and it's a lot of hard contact. Thumb issue for a month. He comes back, and it's a left lat. So, you know, he was snake bitten in 20. Um, th things just did not work out for Quintana there and that's why you know he's, he's coming back on it's kind of a a get right speculation deal uh for the angels to give him a one-year eight mil deal and and see where he's at but this is a guy who went healthy can't can, like i said can really pile up the innings for you yeah and i he think a that's... 200 guy for a long time and now he's kind of in that 180 170 to 180 range and they need that right they've got too too many guys who are uh big concerns with their Pretty much the rest of the rotation 
has injury concerns. Like, there's a lot exactly. of upside in Andrew Heaney, Dylan Bundy, Griffin Canning, Shohei Otani, but, I mean, how many of them do we comfortably project to have 150 to 170 innings? And I don't think exactly. we project any of them for 200. So, And he's the stalwart, Quintana is, who could go out there. And again, we play deeper leagues, so he's going to come into uh, play for us. Um, if you're just really looking for kind of a steady Eddie who, you know, maybe you can spot start. It has been a while since he's been sub four. So you're probably looking at best at a low four ZRA. If he can get back to 17, 18 area where he was in at 415 and 403 respectively, that's probably the best that you're getting right now. Um, I mean, know, he's, he's currently going at pick 482. Can't so, really hurt you. Yeah, I mean, right around guys like Nick Pavetta. And Matt People Shoemaker. People back in on him, by the way. <laughs> Why? I saw um, I saw Jeff. Uh, he's been doing this great article series where he's like looking at at late investments and kind of giving some analysis on them and saying, you know, these aren't always guys that you draft. These are some guys that uh, that you are, are going to pick up during the season, but you're going to need to know about them. And I think, yeah, the very first line on his Pavetta piece, Pavetta's sucking me back in. And I was like, Jeff, no. But I let him go to the shadow realm. I couldn't I couldn't save him. I, I watched him, you know, dissipate into into the nether there as he goes back into the Pavetta train. Um I, I oh, too scared there. But I like Quintana. You know, again, the the depth of league, you're just looking for a body. You can get some innings here, and he's going to have some good runs because to put up a 450 ERA over 32 starts, that includes a lot of quality uh, out there. And I don't just mean by the the uh, definition of, of quality start. I mean there's going to be great starts out there for him. So keep an eye on Jose Quintana. Get him in your deep leagues where just having a, a, a stalwart of a, of a pitcher can help. All right, and then the last move here, Jay Happ to Minnesota. Decent little signing here kind of – in that same realm of, of getting somebody who can go out there every day. You know, he was quietly quite good in 20. Um, you know, I think I saw some uh, some Twins fans like, oh, you know, th- this is really going to do it. I, by the way, I think that is so hack that every time your, your team signs somebody who's, you know, not really looking to be a centerpiece of the team, you, you act like that's that's – what the team is doing in expectation of making the world series, you got to have a full roster, right? And, you know, you're going to make some smaller signings, but also I had a 347 ERA and a 105 whip last year. Like, you know, I'm not saying do backflips and be super excited about it. He is what, uh, 38. Yeah. So he's, you know, an older guy, but he doesn't walk guys. Um, he has a decent swing strike rate to get you in that, uh, low twenties, uh, strikeout rate. Homers are an issue, but I wonder but this if this will be the to... best park. Like he's pitched in his I was entire say, career. Going to Minnesota <laughs> might be something that can curb it a little bit, bring it down closer to that 1.0, 1.1 area, as opposed to the 1.9 and 1.5 it's been each of the last two seasons. And he survived it this year because of, of admittedly a, a unsustainable 2.23 BABIP and unsustainable 81% left on base rate, but he did kick butt for the 49 and the third innings that he pitched. Again, I, I have a lot of similar things to say about him that I would say about Quintana um, in that, you know, if you're looking for a guy who you're going to get 170 innings out of, but his innings have been more quality recently. He did have the 2019 491 ERA, but before that, 365, 353. So his 30s have been quite good. So Jay Happ in Minnesota, 
not a bad play, but I'm drafting him in the same kind of uh, with the same kind of notions that I would a Quintana, although he's probably a bit more expensive. Let me see. He's 409. And you said where was Quintana? Uh, for 482. Yeah, so you're playing a little bit more because he's been better recently. But it's the same kind of guy, right? Another lefty here yeah. that's a, a older uh, innings eater. Well, and, you know, something I tweeted out that some people really liked and then some people, like, really shit on. Um, I, I said uh, after the signing, I said yesterday, or a sneaky good signing here by the Twins, especially if they let him go through the lineup uh, only two times like they did with Odorizzi. Hap's career ERA, the first time through the order, is 2.90. Second time through the order, 2.51. Third time through the order, 6.47. What uh, what was the pushback on that? That seems perfect. Um. That, like, it hasn't been, like, is that good since, you know, the last couple seasons. But, oh. I, mean, I mean, you know, they optimized Odorizzi. Yes, I, they I, did. I can't see why they wouldn't do the same. You know, and some people are like, well, they don't have the bullpen. Well, it's still kind of early in the offseason. Like, they're they're not they're one of the teams that we're going to be spending a ton of money anyway. So they've got to kind of wait for the big money guys to clear out so they can go get their gems to kind of lengthen that bullpen. But I do. I think this is a really kind of sneaky signing for them. I mean, we were talking about Devin Smeltzer being in this rotation. Now they can bump him to long relief, uh, you know, and Randy Dobnak becomes kind of the fifth starter or uh, swingman uh, mm-hmm. instead of being, you know, the fourth starter. So, yeah, I mean, is it, you know, oh, my God, the Twins are going to the World Series type pick? Of course not. But... I think it's a very good, sneaky, cheap signing that allows them to keep making, you know, more smaller moves and uh, should be kind of a little mainstay in the rotation. Someone who's going to eat up probably 150, you know, plus innings uh, and do it with pretty decent ratios. Uh, A very unsexy guy, but not a bad guy in deeper formats. I I, I completely agree all all around there with regards to the real-life aspect and the fantasy aspect. And if they do manage HAP... Then, uh, then, then maybe they can maneuver a, a better ERA for you than than you might be expecting there. So I, I like that pickup. <clears throat> Excuse me, I like that pickup for them uh, as well. All right, let's move on and start talking a little starting pitching. Now we're not going to get too deep today. Uh, we've got the top ten listed. If we're taking too long, then we got to cut it off at seven. That's what we're going to do um, because we do have a hard stop. So we're going to kind of play it uh, play it by ear there. But let's get into these top ten here. It's a really interesting time in starting pitching, particularly at the top, because you've got, you know, you've got the elite guys that, that people love. But there's there's age here that I think gives people a lot of pause, too. And, you know, if Verlander had still been healthy, he'd be up here as well as another guy who's in his mid 30s, along with like a Max Scherzer. Um, you know, DeGrom is not a baby Darvish. Um, but then you have some younger guys starting to mix in there. But do they have enough track record to be trusted this high? So we're going to get into all of it. Let's start in the first round, though. We got three guys who consistently go in the in the first round and a fourth who kind of lingers there and may well uh, wind up with an ADP there, depending on when Trevor Bauer signs. But we're going to start talking with Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom, and Shane Bieber. They're going 7, 8, 9 on average. Um, they can range as high as as one really as far as as far as Cole and I think DeGrom go let me see have they both gone one um check in real quick 
Oh, wow. DeGrom's only gone as high as five. Interesting. That's since the new year in uh, in draft champions only. That's big. Uh, that's 13 drafts. If you go all drafts, let's see here. He's only gone, gone as high as four. Hmm. I mean, I guess people are saying if you're taking him one overall pitcher, you might as well go Cole. I love DeGrom, though. Um, and then Beepers actually has a higher min at three uh, in comparison to DeGrom. So these three guys, the top cream of the crop, seven, eight, nine. Is this the order you like them, Cole, DeGrom, Bieber? I actually prefer DeGrom. I like DeGrom, Cole, Bieber. Uh, yeah. And I, I think it's, I think it, for me, it's kind of a tier of two. And then Bieber is actually the beginning of the next tier. Uh, but I, I don't think you can necessarily go wrong with Cole or DeGrom, and I'm actually willing to uh, take them in the top, you know, either in the top three, uh, maybe even at one if I'm if I'm sitting there. Uh, though my yep. my preferred draft slot is been eight, and I've drafted there a lot because I don't think that's a lot of people's preferred draft slot. So yeah. uh, you know. Here's the thing, we're seeing like, you know, we'll, we'll, I think we'll talk about this a lot throughout this the rest of this episode. We're seeing starting pitching moving up a lot faster than we have in recent years. And there's a lot of really smart people in the industry pushing the pocket aces strategy or this, you know, new your newer strategy called the full house where you take five st- starting or sorry, three starting pitchers in the first five picks, so three starters, two hitters. Um I don't know. I'm definitely not on board necessarily in those strategies, but they're becoming more widely accepted. And so, you know, I'm in three drafts currently, three slow drafts. In each of them, in the first three rounds, we've seen anywhere from 15 to 20 uh, starting pitchers off the board. So with that, if you're picking at one or two, it might be worth taking Cole or DeGrom so you know you've got a starting pitcher when it gets back around to you the second, third round. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's uh, it, it's it's. There's some people that just are out on these these three, right? They they will not take the the super early pitcher, but I think that that overall tone is shifting, and and I think a lot of folks have become more accustomed to taking an early pitcher and deciding, you know. Let me get that that mega stud here and really start things off, especially with the depth of hitting. I mean, these first few rounds of hitting, so many great players to get that you can feel comfortable about going, you know, two, three, rounds two and three with your hitters um, to pair with your, your, your Cole DeGrom or Bieber and feel pretty good about what you get there. You know, I agree with you. DeGrom is my number one as well. Nothing against Cole. I just really love what DeGrom does. And... He somehow seems to be getting better, uh, insanely enough. You know, he had the insane fastball this year. He's just so good. So those are the top three there with, with Cole DeGrom, Bieber, 7-8-9. Trevor Bauer, like I said, is sitting at 16 and will move into the first round once he signs. And once we get uh, in, into the spring draft season, pitching always moves up. As, as the draft season evolves anyway. But then you have the, uh, the the free agent discount right now, which isn't really that much, obviously, if he's if he's at 16. But I think he'll firmly be in, like, the 11 to 15 range um, once he signs somewhere. Bauer, coming off Cy Young season, do you like him as a, uh, a fringe first-rounder elbow pick there? I don't. Uh, and it's... Just a matter of, you know, especially when I'm drafting starting pitching, 
Uh, but really, when I'm drafting anybody in uh, you know the first two to three rounds, I'm looking for guys I feel very safe about. And mm-hmm. while the upside is huge, I mean, especially if if there's a team that allows him to go every four days, which I don't know that there will be, he could easily be the number one player in fantasy, right? So, yeah, because the volume he, yeah. could, he could possibly get would be insane. Especially if he can do it at the kind of rate we saw in 2020. Um, you know, I mean, he could. He could be the number one player in fantasy. That being said, he could also revert back to being, you know, uh, like 4.3 ERA guy. Um, and I don't know which one he is long term. <laughs> Because he's a guy who always tinkers, and I just, mm-hmm. if he falls to me, like, mid-second round, which, like, he almost did in this draft that you and I are doing right now, I mean, he was, he went at pick, let's see, uh, what, 16, 17, 18, 19, he went pick 19 in this draft, um, or sorry, that's a different draft, uh, so he went pick 19 in the, a different draft that I'm in, and then I believe he went even later in the draft in ours, in ours. Um, yes he went 16 17 18 19 20 21 so i mean if he had ended up back to me in the second round uh, and i picked at eight at both of, in both of these drafts like i probably would have taken him uh that being said like i i've seen him go in the first round in a number of drafts already and i i can't do that um i i can't either and you know he's great like I, i'm not suggesting that he's not good but one of the things that I, I had an issue with coming off of his last great season was, you know, how much of a tinkerer he is. And look, you know, uh, he was big on like saying guys are using stuff. It, it, it's, it goes beyond just a little pine tar. So he's like, can't beat him, join him. And he clearly, you know, the way he upped his spin rate this year, clearly using something to get to that level and, don't really have an issue with that because if MLB is not going to police it, you know, secure the bag, but it does. I do wonder if they're going to police it this year. Exactly. And, but it also kind of, you know, uh, removes you from the moral high ground. Right. Yep. And, and when that angels employee came out as, as getting in trouble and, and for exposing or for, um, you know, giving people stuff and then he exposed everything as like, I mean, I don't know if you can really say anything anymore because you you were very clearly you said the he only did. way to improve <laughs> your spin rate this much is to use something. You use something. You went. You got to sell young. You're going to secure the bag. Great, good for you. But what if they do start policing it? Is he somebody that kind of goes back to, you know, a solid but not elite guy that we've seen? And I'm just not going to take him there. I just I just don't have the trust yet. Um, 18 was very good. Came right back in 19. Uh, to where he was and then this was two months of awesomeness against a paltry central and i just i i i I can't do it i can't do it with trevor bauer we don't know where he's going to sign but there's nothing about where he signs uh or uh, alterations in his price that could get me on board here at pick 16 so i'm just not gonna do it yeah i completely agree all right next up is you darvish who is uh no longer with the cubs but that's where he that's where he it was dominating the last couple of years. And since about the second half or just before the second half of 2019, he made a transformation and he became efficient and just this brilliant pinpoint command guy along with still being a strikeout beast. He didn't, he didn't give that up in order to be this guy. He added it, which is particularly insane um, because, you know, we were always kind of used to Darvish 
he could be frustrating to watch because you see him get no two count and then spike three curveballs, hoping to get that swinging miss uh, and then walk a guy uh, or maybe still strike him out. But, you know, it took seven pitches because the guy followed off a couple. Not anymore. He had seven walks in the final 14 starts of 2019. He had just uh, 14 this year, which feels like a lot in comparison there. In 12 starts, it's doubling it, but it's still a very, very healthy walk right there. He's become this new guy. He had a very strong case for the Cy Young himself uh, in his 76 innings, and he's an absolute monster. He is 34, has some health concerns, but, I mean, there really isn't a pitcher that doesn't. So I'm, I'm reluctant to go too hard on worrying about the health. Maybe the, the age gives me a little pause, but I like Darvish at, at, at pick 17. I'd be open to taking him, and I, he's my number four starter. So I, I'm in on Darvish. What do you think? Yeah, he's my number four starter, and he's really close to Bieber for me. Um, it, since uh, the All-Star break of 2019, he's thrown 157 and two-thirds innings, uh, 211 strikeouts, a 2.4 ERA with a 2.54 and 2.59 FIP and XFIP. Uh, his uh, WHIP is .88 during that span. I mean, since the All Star break of 2019, he's been pretty much the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, you know, and so like I have no reasons to think that he can't continue to do something along those lines. I don't really understand the projection systems not giving him anywhere close to that. I mean, the bat has him at a 3.85 ERA, uh, you know, and pretty much Steamer and Zips, you know, both have him, you know, mid threes uh, or higher. Uh, but, I mean, I guess there are, you know, some people in the industry have expressed concerns about his innings, but... I'm I'm not I'm not super worried about his health profile. Uh, I mean he's been pretty much healthy the last two seasons, and no reason to think that uh, unless you know another Tommy John pops up that that that's going to be an issue for him. So uh, I feel very comfortable getting him you know anywhere in the second round. You know, kind of end of second or beginning of second round and or later. I don't mm-hmm. know if I would take him in the first. It kind of depends on what's happened in the draft or what my strategy is going to be. But like, if, if I was going to do a pocket aces strategy, I'd love to do it with like a Darvish Chilito. Yeah, I, I'd be down for that too. I, I totally totally agree that I could uh, that I could be down for for that combo there. And uh, I, I really love Darvish. Again, I agree with you on. I'm not going to let age and injury. I'm not going to overrate those things because yeah, the age is there, but but as far as the injury, there just isn't a pitcher without injury risk. And I know having previous health issues uh, adds to it a bit, but not so much that I'm going to ignore the brilliant stats that Darvish is putting up at this point and what he's become and his just overwhelming abilities. And of course now he's out in San Diego uh, with that ball club in Petco, which is a solid stadium. It's not as pitcher-friendly as it used to be, but it's still perfectly fine to pitch in. Probably better than Wrigley, to be honest. And an excellent team behind him. So uh, I'm all I'm all here for that. And I mean, Absolutely. what pitcher in, I don't know, the top 10 to 15 starting pitchers ha- ha- doesn't have an injury history? Yeah. Um, they're really, I mean, I guess Cole doesn't really. No, Cole did earlier in his career. Okay, yes, yeah, I don't even um again, that's the thing. 
if like, you're a pitcher, you're you're gonna get hurt as a pitcher. Like hurt. there's like that's that's that, that, just that's, part that's of why, the ball game. Like yeah, like, I'm I'm always careful to not overrate that because um, that's just inherent in pitching. And I mean, and you so, look at Darvish over the last two seasons. You know, he's uh, 16th in all of baseball in terms of innings pitched. Like you love to see that. Yeah, I mean. I, I get that he missed time earlier in his career, but the last two seasons he's been very, very healthy, and I, I'm I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, Dar- Darvish is an absolute monster. Totally agree there. And if you did do what you said there with the pocket aces, taking Darvish at 15 and and Giolito at 16, say if you were on the elbow like that, um, then you kind of get the 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 old and the young because Giolito's only 26, and he's really coming to his own. He had the brilliant breakout 2019. And he kept it going this year. He he was he was awesome yet again in 12 starts, including the no hitter. Um, had a 3.48 ERA, 104 WHIP, uh, strikeout machine. He's just he's just one of the best pitchers in baseball now. And you know, it took a while to co- to come together. Remember, he was the literal worst pitcher in 2018, um, especially when you account for the volume because he threw a full season, 173 innings, and he had a six. 13 ERA. And so obviously nobody was looking to take him. And he has this transformation uh, of his own accord, by the way. This was not really anything that the White Sox fostered. He was doing his own work, figuring his, his, himself out and, and transformed himself into a beast who is now a top 20 overall pick. And obviously I don't have to ask you if you're if you're interested in taking him because you said you are. But uh, what do you like about this 26-year-old Lucas Giolito? And uh, can we see more? You know, is he somebody that can put up a sub-3 ERA season in your estimation? I think it's possible, but uh, I mean, I'm not banking on it necessarily. I think he's a guy that's going to be like a, a low threes ERA with a ton of strikeouts. Uh, I mean, did a really good job in the short season in 2020, kind of limiting the home runs. Uh, you know, the walks went up a little bit, but I think some of that was just being willing to put a man on base instead of giving up that homer, um, you know, and trying to force it in there uh, late in count. So uh, velocity maintained, you know, that was one of the big things in 2019 that kind of, you know, helped with uh, with the huge season then. It, you know, his, uh, average fastball velocity went up to 94.6 miles an hour. In 2020, it was 94.3. So... Uh, this isn't a situation where we got a velocity bump and then it disappeared. You know, he's got a scary health profile as well. Uh, you know, a guy who, you know, struggled throughout his early part of his career with injuries. But I think he's a pretty safe uh, bet going in the second round. And he's kind of my favorite pitcher to target in the second round because he's often available when I'm picking, you know, in the middle of the draft, when it comes back yep. around to me, I don't that's know if that's that going to be. I don't know if that's going to be the case here in a few weeks. Uh, it's already um, in both all three of these drafts that I that I've done or that I'm doing right now. He was not available in the middle of the second round. I think he's going to be an early second rounder, uh, but that's okay. You know, if you end up around pick, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 in a 15 team draft. <laughs> And you're able to pair a guy like Jose Ramirez or Christian Yelich or Trevor Story with Lucas Giolito. I feel like that's a really good start. Yeah, I agree. 
Uh, that is a good one-two punch there. And, you know, did have some health issues coming up, but three full seasons now uh, with 32, 29, and, and 12 starts uh, the last three years. So uh, certainly somebody who uh, has been pitching healthily uh, the last three years, uh, two of them excellent, the other uh, quite bad. But, uh, I, yeah, Giolito, you got to feel pretty confident about where he's at and the fact that there's actually a tinge of upside to go with him. Walker Buehler. Uh, is up next at at pick 21 on average. And, you know, I think the only, the major concern with him is is what uh, Nick Pollock calls dodgeritis because of their uh, penchant for kind of managing their guys and kind of going in and out with everything. But he threw 182 innings uh, in 19. This year, be coming off of a big workload because he had playoffs as well, they kind of, they were weird with him, and he only ended up throwing 36 and two-thirds, got off to a slow start, but quietly finished brilliantly. 344 ERA and, and .96 whip when it was all said and done, and then an amazing playoff run uh, for Walker Bueller that, you know, if, if you don't believe in this talent, I, I don't know what's going to what's gonna convince you to do so because he's incredible. So what do you think about, uh, about what – Walker Bueller's doing, and, and are you interested in taking him if somebody takes Giolito from you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big Walker Bueller guy, uh, and I, uh, I I I was at one of his first games, uh, you know, early on in his major league debut, and was absolutely just blown away by him. And since then, I've just been a huge fan. I do wonder if uh, I, I understand the whole Dodgeritis thing. I don't know if that necessarily still applies to him, considering he's he's now kind of the, you know, the ace of the rotation, even with Kershaw still there and pitching very very well. Um, mm-hmm. I do wonder if there's a little Kluberitis in him, which means he's oh. a slow starter. Um, you know, we, we saw him not be ready for the start of the season because he was having trouble, kind of just you know opening up and, and kind of getting going. Uh, mm-hmm. And in 2019, like uh, I believe his March was his worst worst month. So, like I wonder if maybe he has a hard time getting going when it's still a little bit cold or when he's first starting going. I, it's too small of a sample to draw any real conclusions from it. It's just something that I've kind of heard mentioned by other people, um, and I can't remember who it was. So I can't give him uh, give them the proper credit. But feel free to tap me on Twitter, and I'll, and I'll. Uh, and I'll give you the uh, the credit. That being said, like I think he's a stud, and I think he's pretty close to guaranteed to have like 175, like really, really good innings. Um, you know, I'm I'm thinking like a three three fifteen ERA, 175 innings. You know, ten strikeouts per nine. Uh, you know, and a pretty dominant whip, like a below one whip. So. Uh, I have no problem taking him where he's going. Um, I definitely prefer Giolito because I feel more comfortable about the innings. Uh, but he's a he's he's the end of like that second tier above the next uh, guys we're going to talk about. Yeah, no, I, I uh, definitely see that. If he is that slow starter type, you know, it's it's something that's like it's kind of fringe to say this. It's not something you can always take advantage of, but maybe he's that sort of guy, Bueller, that uh, you know has a slow start. Maybe you didn't get him at the draft table, and then you try to buy him a little bit cheaper. You're not going to steal him from somebody. Nobody's going to give you give you him for like mid round picks, but maybe you didn't get your top ace, and you're looking at things in early May, and he hasn't really gotten going yet, and you slide in and say, hey, 
let me give you my ace here, who I drafted a round or, or two later, and uh, and I'll take Bueller off your hands. Yeah, maybe and you, you can, get all... maybe you can like package a guy like Snell or Kenta Maeda, you know, with uh, an outfielder or a position player that they have injured, and be like, hey, here's our, you know, I- I'm I'm gonna bank that Bueller is you know still better than Snell, but you're getting another piece for your team. Exactly, and then you get all the you get all the good uh, of what he can do because you know he's yeah he's awesome and watching him pitch. It is really fun. He's he's just really so so good, and uh, I I think I think the best is yet to come, and that's coming from somebody who you know has a 2.62 ERA in 137 innings back in 2018. Uh, I think there's a season like that for 32 starts. Like that's the kind of talent that that Bueller has. Uh, Aaron Nola comes in next at at pick 23 on average. He's had an interesting trajectory. Um, you know he had. Injury issues to start. He was a guy that, like, hey, you know, you just can't get through a full season. He has glimpses, but it's not quite there. And then 2017, um, he got close. You know, 27 starts, 168 innings, very good. And and started to put things together. And then breaks out big time in 2018 with a massive season. 237 ERA, .98 whip, uh, Cy Young contender. Then comes back to the pack a bit in 19 with a 387 and, and a 127 whip. And so I think people started to move off of him a bit. It was weird how how quickly the market reacted. Um, and I'm not really sure what's behind that. But then this year, he was kind of back to that mega stud. There was a little bit, uh, I think there was a bumpy start or two that kind of took him back to the uh, 328 ERA that he ended at. Yeah, he, he closed a little, a little bumpily. If that's a word, probably not. But he had a 6.60 ERA in his last three starts. He was he was trending as a Cy Young candidate there with a 2.40 ERA through nine starts. Of course, we're parsing a 12 start uh, 12 start run here for Nola, but he was great this year without a doubt. And I think he got people buying back in, as you can see with the pick 23 ADP. Is Nola somebody that you'll buy uh, because he'll be he's going to be available to you a lot in that mid area that that you're picking uh, based on your your KDS. Yeah, he's definitely someone I'm considering. I mean, I found myself going hitter-hitter a lot, and so I, I don't know if... I don't believe I've gotten Aaron Nola yet on a team, but he's definitely someone I've entertained. Uh, I think I prefer a few other guys uh, in this area, uh, like Luis Castillo, like Brandon Woodruff, but uh, I don't have a problem if, if Nola's my ace. Um, just, you know, I end up... You know, in in the middle of the second round, I ended up seeing guys like uh, Alberto Mondesi and Bryce Harper and um, uh, Francisco Lindor uh, and Manny Machado, and I have a hard time turning those guys down in the second yep. round. And so I, I typically have waited until the third round uh, to address starting pitcher if I didn't get one in the first. Uh, so. I'm probably not going to end up with a guy like Nola uh, this year, but I think as we start seeing, you know, the starting pitching continue to move up, uh, as we typically do throughout draft season, uh, I'm going to end up maybe with uh, more guys in that second round, and he'll be a part of that. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, if you're picking in that middle of the first round and you really want to get that pitcher uh, by round two, Nola can be your guy, and and 
He's really good. I mean, that's really all you can say about it is he's really good. He's probably had his best season with that 2018, but that doesn't mean that you can't get a solid low threes ERA with a really good whip. And the strikeouts have really been there, too. Um, he's really amped it up. In fact, this year was a new career high uh, at, at, at a 12.1 rate. He was at 10.2 the year before. He's got the stuff to to put up huge strikeout totals. And it was always kind of lurking there a little bit where he, he hadn't quite he was always a strikeout per any type of guy. Uh, in fact, let me pull up his his rates here because I do prefer that over per nine. But yeah, you know, he's sitting 25, 27 um, in the 16, 2016 through 2018, but then jumped it to 32, 33% this year. Now that did include a, a boost in swing strike rate. Will it hold? We don't know, right? Short season. But if he keeps some of those gains and, and kind of lives in the upper 20s and maybe even low 30s of strikeout rate, that's something for Nola that could really take him to that next level too. So keep that in mind with him. Next up, we have Luis Castillo going around pick 28 on average, uh, maybe involved in a little bit of trade rumoring here. <laughs> Cincinnati at the very beginning of the offseason, you know, all of a sudden they're they're talking about trading everybody. I'm like, why are you freaking kidding me? What the heck, dude? This is so stupid. And nothing's really moved on anybody, so maybe it was just some idle talk. Um, as as we there's know, a lot of what, smoke, no fire, a lot of there, smoke. There, there, there's plenty of smoke, but we're now a week away from February. I don't know that they're going to be able to blow it up in time, um, you know. So we'll see if they even do one trade. But Castillo obviously drawn a lot of attention, as would Sonny Gray, uh, understandably. Castillo now has has thrust himself into uh, the top ten pitchers here, and I. I love to see it because Skyman bought in on from the jump. And, you know, remember he had that that brilliant half season in 2017. I was all in. Little ambitious there. Get, was a little wobbly in 2018, but had the big second half there. And uh, has taken off since then. Since the second half of 2018, he's been on fire. Uh, excellent 2019 season. And really, really great this year in 2020. Now, a lot we have to do the caveat with a lot of those central guys because we know that they were facing just such inferior competition compared to everybody else. And that does play a role in this. And I wonder, you know, we see uh, Bieber. We see Bauer. We, we don't even know if he's going to be in the central. Um, Darvish, who's up there. Not in the central anymore either, but then Giolito and now Castillo. We got a lot of central guys in there. Are you concerned about that? Does, does that concern extend to somebody like Castillo, or, or would you be comfortable taking him at pick 28 on average? I'm fine taking him at pick 28. I, I mean, there is a little bit of concern that, you know, maybe the quality of competition wasn't as great as other uh in other divisions i mean listen to this start to his season he started with detroit then did at detroit then at cleveland then kansas city then at kansas city oh my goodness <laughs> and then he had two games against pittsburgh uh you know <laughs> he had you know milwaukee was a struggling team last year so like yeah maybe the quality of competition wasn't great but i mean castillo has been great you know much of his career uh yeah. and i mean he's done a really good job of lit limiting home runs in a park that's difficult to limit home runs in uh if he were to get traded he'd be in a you know most likely a better park uh you know he gets all the strikeouts you want i mean he's probably 
you know, closer to his 2019 than the 2020. So, sure, uh, a guy who's like a 27, 28% strikeout rate uh, with, you know, a mid threes ERA, but that's fine because he's going to rack up the innings and, you know, um, if he does get traded, he's going to be on a better team. So uh, he'll rack up the wins as well. So I, I like Luis Castillo. I think he's pretty safe. Yeah, I love him. And, you know, you look at 16 and 15% swing strike rates the last two years. Really, really gives that strikeout potential. Um, and you should feel confident about the high 20s as his watermark and, and with the potential to be in the 30s for a full season there with his strikeout rate. All right, last guy we're going to talk about today is Max Scherzer at 10. He's fallen a bit, obviously, due to age and, and a little bit of performance that goes with that. But still in the top ten, you can only you can only drop him so far because he is still Max Max Scherzer and he still has that uh, that that overwhelming talent. You know, three seventy four ERA, one thirty eight WHIP this year. A little bit of a home run issue, but the the core skills were still there. Thirty one percent strikeout rate, eight percent walk, uh, with with a fifteen percent swinging strike rate. So there was still a lot to like. Uh, from Max Scherzer, but people are getting a little bit worried about the uh, the health and age as he goes into age 36 season, and he's had a few knickknack injuries. Although this year um, he was more or less healthy, he just had had a few struggles, and you know a couple bad starts can really tank the numbers, and that's really what happened here. I mean, he had uh, games of six and five earned runs, and then a couple fours mixed in, but he still had one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, eight brilliant starts out of twelve. It's just that the four had a you know pretty big impact because he only had twelve starts. So uh, I'm still pretty confident in Max Scherzer, and I'll gladly take him. I mean, he's, like I said, he's going on average at pick thirty. So if you get you know the top pick there, and you go with the pitcher, or if you go with the hitter uh, of your choosing, whether it's Acuna, Trout, uh, or whomever, you come back and Scherzer's still there for you. I'd feel pretty good about that personally. What about you? Yeah, I, I feel pretty good. I haven't ended up with him, which is uh, um, a bit surprising to me because I've always kind of been a Scherzer guy. Uh, He's a beast, too. Yeah. I mean, remember all the people are like, well, this contract isn't going to age well. Well, this contract is over at the end of this season. And last year wow. was the first time since becoming a national that he had an ERA over 3.05. I mean, he's had... Wow. And only one one of those seasons did he have... I mean, only one of those seasons did he have a 3 ERA uh, outside of 2020. And two of the Tiger, last Tiger seasons were under 3. So, like, he's just been extremely durable. Uh, you know, he's been a 200-inning guy almost, you know, every year of his career. Uh, except for in 2020 and 2019. So if you want to say, well, maybe this is the end, I can see that argument, but that's why he's dropped, you know, down to kind of the back of the of the second round. Uh, and exactly. I, I mean, would I be surprised if he has another 200 inning, you know, three point, you know, nothing <laughs> ERA in him? I, I wouldn't. Like, I, like in even with... The 3.74 ERA this year, his FIP and XFIP were both like three and a half. So, uh, I like Max Scherzer. I'm I am sure he will end up on a team of mine as people push up, uh, kind of the younger, sexier options. Uh, and Scherzer falls in certain drafts, but yep. uh, 
he he's a borderline top 10 guy for me and i think that's fine yeah i mean he's got a max of 45 mm-hmm. and I mean, that's oh. fantastic imagine, if you can get yeah. him there imagine if you ha- you're getting him at the back end of the third round it's just yeah that'd be awesome in in our draft that we're currently in, uh, Rob DiPietro had took Cole at number one, and then Scherzer at 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 thirty there. And he took Real um, Muto. He went Real Muto, Rosarena, Baez, Altuve for his hitting, and you know I don't think he's really lost anything there uh, with 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 waiting till the third round to take his first uh, in, hitter. In my other draft, Clay Link uh, took Acuna first, and then Matt Scherzer and Real Muto on the two three turn. That's a really nice turn there. You still get your ace, and then you get the best catcher in the game. Um, that's yeah, that, that's a really interesting setup. I think in the next draft I do, I am going to try to get something closer to the top. I've been li- really living in that uh, latter portion, like yourself there, middle middle to end, and I want to see what what building from the front looks like. Yeah, I need because, to do a draft uh, from the front as well. There's some fun. There's some fun teams here for sure. Uh, all right, that's going to wrap us up. Justin, it is uh, Thursday. Duh, how would I not know the day? Everyone knows the day, right? So <laughs> that's going to wrap us up for this Thursday. Uh, we're going to talk more starting pitching next week, and we will be talking to the wonderful Nick Pollock. Going to set up some time with him to uh, to get into some of these pitchers and, and see, what, see where he's at this year. Has, has things changed? Is he open? These are not the guys he takes, so bringing him on for this one would have been uh, – well, not a waste. It's never a waste to talk to Nick Pollock, but it's. I want to get in his realm of pitcher there and, and get, talk about the ones that he's really going to like. So we'll link up with him. Uh, otherwise, before uh, yeah, oh, before we ahead. take off, just want to let people know uh, Michael Simeone's going to join me on Sunday with uh, with Jason Collette. Let's uh, go. And we're going to argue about uh, Michael Lorenzen. Uh, so uh, if you <laughs> wait, you don't you don't support his Michael Lorenzen love? I, I, I do not. So we're 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 gonna we're gonna have a little bit of an argument. Uh, How dare you? He, he's gonna try to convince me uh, that Michael Lorenzen is uh, is going to turn into an effective starting pitcher. Uh, he already has convinced me. I'm in. All right. Well, I, maybe I'm just the lone holdout, and I, I'm I'm open to being convinced. I, yeah, I, well, I don't know why you wouldn't like him. I mean, he's. He's uh he's a beast. I I I'm, well, I'm, I, I truly well, I truly am eager to see how this goes. Though. Yeah, we'll 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 leave this as a teaser. Uh, and friends of fantasy benefits uh, draft guide available uh, on PDF and now on Amazon. Um, and I announced Finally. I announced on Twitter. And I wanted to announce it here that uh, uh, I'm going to do a drawing of anybody who buys the uh, friends of fantasy benefits draft guide, either PDF or paperback. Um, and one person out of that group before the end of the month will get a spot in TGFBI this year. So if you want to get in TGFBI this year, uh, the only way you're going to be eligible if you're not in the industry is by buying the Friends of Fantasy Benefits Draft Guide on Amazon. It's called The Fantasy Benefit, or email me, justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com. Perfect. Excellent, man. Well, I'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Take it easy.